This is the Active Podcast. My name is Ian Simpson, your host, and I'm in the studio here today with uh, my co-host, Matthew Coleman. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be here. I'm excited about today. Mm, for sure. And our guest, Masayuki Ishida. Masayuki, perhaps you could just give us a, a quick intro, self-intro? Yes, of course. Uh, hello, my name is Masayuki Ishida, and my, I'm 17 years old, and I'm currently in the second year of Takada High School. And it's an honor to be here. Yeah, well, thanks for being our guest. Uh, you speak incredible English. Uh, why, why is that? <laughs> Actually, um, you know, I was the first person to complete the 200 Edge online video lesson, which uh, is um, Edge online lesson by Ian Simpson, our host. And I, th I can highly recommend this system to anyone looking to improve their speaking abilities. Well, thank you very much. Did, did you tell him to say that? That's, that's a no, good plug. No, there, that was totally spontaneous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. But also, you lived in the UK for a couple of years. Uh, yes, um, I lived in the UK for two years when I was seven and eight years old. And I went to the, the English school uh, with many other native kids and some from other um, countries. So, I, yeah, I really like that school. Yeah, great. Thank you. Okay, so sorry if it feels uh, sounds a little bit hollow today, the sound, but we're on the road and we're using lapel mics in the middle of the table, but um, um, hopefully it's clear enough to, to be pleasing on the ears for you. Um, so, Matthew, how was church today? It was very, very nice. It's the first Sunday of Advent. So Christmas is coming. It's always something to look forward to. But mm -hmm. in this area of Japan, it's still nice and warm. So that's always something to enjoy. <laughs> Did you ask for forgiveness for me? I ask for everything for everyone. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've done something wrong. <laughs> oh, I will do something wrong, according to my wife. Um, that reminds me of that old chestnut, you know, if a, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it. Does it make a sound? Did it really happen? You know, I saw a great t-shirt the other day. It said, if a man speaks his mind in the forest and no woman hears him, is he still wrong? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, today's, today's topic is, it's a big topic, but um, we're going to break it down into two areas. It's, is the education system broken? So the first half, let's talk about the, the Japanese um, education system specifically, and, and particularly with um, the uh, speaking English, learning English for Japanese people in mind, with that in mind. And in the second half, let's talk about ed the world education system, the history of it, and in general, is it broken and, and does it need to be repaired or revolutionized? Okay. Um, what do we think, yeah? So um, let, let's kick it off with the, the, the Japanese education system. I mean, I'm a, I'm a business owner, I uh, have a small chain of English schools here in Japan, and uh, Matthew's uh, senior teacher um, in the Eikaiwa system over here, and you are actually a student yeah. in the Japanese system. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so we, we've actually, we got the three generations, we got the 17-year-old generation, and Matthew, you're out of four, and maybe I'm out of five. <laughs> so yeah, but if anyone's listening, I'm going to claim in the threes. <laughs> <laughs> so we can come at it from uh, different generation uh, angles, you know. Um, first of all, let, let, let Matthew, you're the stats man. Why, why is Japan so low on the world rankings of ability to speak English? 
Well, that's a huge topic in itself that hopefully we'll discuss over the whole time here. But I did find out that depending on what source you're consulting, they're probably around the 30th percentage there. And the Nordic countries, along with the Netherlands, are at the top. <laughs> and I live uh, for two years in Sweden. I can honestly say I've never seen such wonderful English ability. Right. Wow. Mm. And in Asia, Japan is ranked about 10th, I think. Yes, they're, ra- they're even ranked behind Korea. Oh, yeah. So um, uh, I did have experience uh, with some uh, Korean English uh, education, uh, learning from friends who I went to school with in Sweden. It's a bit different. Yeah. Mm. So what are some of the reasons why we have this situation? Yes. Um, well... Many people think that they don't have to speak English because right now most of the Jap- uh, most of the residents in Japan are Japanese, so they speak Japanese, and they don't have to uh, use English in their da- daily lives or in business. Well, not yet. Well, they will have to, but not yet. So I think that's the the biggest reason why Japanese people don't really feel. Um, feel like they have to speak English. Yeah, the not the not yet thing. I've had this discussion with many parents over the years about well let's let's get the let's get my kid speaking Japanese fluently first mm-hmm. and then we can worry about English later. And this seems to be a misconception that Japanese people have that mm-hmm. well you can start learning it at any time it'll be okay you can learn it when it's older. Yeah. And the brain doesn't really work like that, mm-hmm. does it? So my my thinking on it and I say to them the earlier the better. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, from the linguistic pr- approach, that's much better. It, the sounds are much more distinct to children. Mm-hmm. They can per- um, perceive far more nuance. Even babies can. So, And the old thinking used to be, if a child learns two languages at the same time, they're going to be confused. It's not good for them. And some teachers in many countries still say that, but it's we know that's not true. Yeah, yeah um, I, I can totally agree with that because... So um, when I went to England, I was six, and well, it's hardly um, I can hardly say that my my Japanese was hardly uh, I mean perfect itself. But um, at the same time, I, st- I started learning English, and I kind of um, I was able to like connect the Japanese word and English word at, at by perceiving them at the same time. So um, that's why I get to speak. Um, I get to acquire the knowledge of English pretty quickly. Yeah, I've seen kids in who grow up grow up in environments like communal housing where where you have people speaking five languages and they're yeah, exposed yeah. to that from a baby and guess what? They end up speaking five languages. Yeah, yeah. They can do it. The brain can can cope with that. Mm-hmm. We know that. Mm-hmm. But um, that so that's one of the reasons I think I watched a video the other day um, interviewing Japanese people on the street in Tokyo and uh, there's a bit of a mixed opinion uh, like Masayuki says as to whether whether they actually needed to speak English Um, Mm -hmm. well I don't know whether we actually need it because we're a small country and not many people not many foreigners come here that was one half of the argument other people who could speak English by the way and who had traveled were saying absolutely Japanese people do need it it's it's the language of the world of course we need it but again, it's 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 a big city thing versus a countryside thing as well. You yeah. go to the big city, yeah, and a lot of people can speak English. <clears throat> yes, yeah, that's true. Um, well, 
actually, there are some students who can speak English, but there are very few in, in my school. Most of them are, well, they are good, but not good enough to um, communicate. And they're also, they're not confident enough to speak up in English in my school. Mm. Confidence is a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Mm. I would guess that you're probably better than most of your teachers. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I know most of the Japanese teachers in, in Japan, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that, that <laughs> takes it into another. I mean, a lot of the Japanese teachers in Japan don't have the confidence to speak English out loud. They, they talk to the ALT teachers in Japanese if they can. Mm. Yeah. With the new educational requirements regarding English coming into effect soon, mm -hmm. that's going to be a huge problem yeah. for total immersion classes. That's not going to be sustainable or attainable at that point. Mm. And well, yeah, well, as for my English teacher, um, he sometimes speaks English by himself, but mostly he like works with uh, the pair English teacher. So um, I mean the ALT teacher. So um, it is true that he kind of depends on him. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would like to see the Japanese uh, English teachers being made to go overseas as part of their university course. Mm -hmm. So you have to live overseas for one or two years. Yeah, yeah. Come back as a fluent fluent speaker. It's, otherwise, it's like it's like me saying, "Well, you go and keep, teach this. Uh, you go and coach this rugby team rugby." But so, well, I, actually, I haven't played much rugby in my life. I'm not very good at rugby. Oh, but you go and coach them rugby. You yeah. would never do that, would you? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> but we do it in English. We so say you can't speak English very well, but go and teach that class how to speak English. <laughs> and now it's embarrassing because a lot of the students are better than the teachers. Mm -hmm. So. That could be part of the culture too, when it's just an emphasis on is put on maybe perfection. Students feel less likely to volunteer their ideas to really try, mm -hmm. but that I mean it's not a standard thing. There are exceptions to every rule. Yeah. Yes. And and also, the I mean I've t I've taught in um, all kinds all levels of school in Japan in addition to when I was back in the UK as a high school teacher and uh, Australia and uh, and in Japan the, the 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 system as it is as such the way we assess teachers is by how many of their students go to university yeah. mm -hmm. yes yes totally mm -hmm. um, so you know when we for example when we look for the cram school um, advertisement they and, and the school advertisement they um, they put how many students got into Tokyo University or how many students got into Kyoto University up front. So they kind of emphasize the number of students who passed the test. Right, yeah. And so when the universities are not demanding a high level of, of speaking ability mm -hmm. to get in, then guess what? The, the teachers, the English teachers, are not focusing on the speaking because it doesn't help them personally mm -hmm. to get students into university. Yes. So the teachers have no motivation mm -hmm. to teach speaking mm -hmm. because they, all they are concerned about is what the head teacher and the assessors think of them as a teacher. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. As on these tests, there is no place to speak English. Mm -hmm. Therefore, why should it be in the curriculum? Mm. Yeah. Yes. I really I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Well, um, well, in my school, 
they um I think they do put emphasize on English as a subject, but um it is also true that we don't have much time to speak speak English. Okay. We take much time to write and we take much time to listen and read, but we don't have much time to actually speak English. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we used to uh, when we when I was in junior high school, but not anymore in high school. Mm-hmm. And. I remember I was teaching in a private high school in Japan a few, just a few years ago, and I think the kids were having、uh, eight English lessons a week, and it was seven grammar, <coughs> grammar reading,、um, grammar reading, writing,、mm-hmm. and then one with me, one with me, oral communication,、mm-hmm. and then the the system, the government, whatever, said, okay, you can now have nine lessons a week. So we had an English teachers'、uh, meeting, and I said, "Great, it's going up to one nine lessons. So perhaps perhaps that means I could have an extra oral communication with them, so that the balance would be seven and two,、hmm. which is still still very weighted on one side.、Hmm. But what do you think about that?" And and they just shot me down. And one teacher in particular, he said, "No, no, no. I think we should have another grammar lesson." And he said, and he looked at me, and he said, and 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 you should you should remember that maybe we don't actually need you you or ALTs at all because remember we can we can put a CD in the CD player, press a button, and hear a native speaker speak. Yeah. And I looked at it. Did you just really say that? Yeah. He did. He actually said that.、Uh, that's disregarding so much research. Into pedagogical techniques and student success.、Mm. I mean, the speaking component should be equal to the grammar because I was always taught, for example, in in any kind of English class, that your speaking and writing should match.、Mm-hmm. It's it's an extension of your knowledge and who you are too. So it should be part of that. It's how you learn. Yes, and、um, thank you. I'm also like. <laughs> Listening to CD, listening to a laptop, and or and、um, speaking to and having a communication with an actual person is pretty different because、mm-hmm. um, and that's the kind of the thing with us because、um, we the teacher tell us to listen to like this English CDs, but they or、well, they do、uh, encourage us to、um, speak to LTs, but we don't have much.、Um, They don't give us enough opportunities to、um, do so. So,、um, and I don't think it's、uh, effective to do so. Is the ALT ever、yeah. the main teacher in a class, where they really take over and do a lot of the speaking components and say, "Let's use this grammar." Actually,、um, we do. Yes,、um, actually. Well,、um, I had this.、Um, Fully, I had the class where ALT take over the、uh, or take take、um, taking charge of the class once a week、um, when I and、uh, when I became the second year of high school. But that's、um, before the four years I haven't had that. Okay. Well, there was there was always an ALT and a Japanese teacher. Okay. I, I've I've been given free reign in a number of schools to teach on my own. Uh, um, over the years, but then again, I had almost twenty years' experience as a teacher in the UK,、mm-hmm. so they probably trusted me to do that.、Mm-hmm. Um, although my grammar is terrible, but、uh, mm-hmm. I mean that—that's interesting. I mean, I—that's、um, another point. I mean, I was—I was born at a very young age,、mm-hmm. and believe it or not, 
when I, by the age of two, I didn't know any grammar and mm. I couldn't read or write. But guess what? I could speak English. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all kids can speak That's English. Right. They do not need grammar That's right. to speak English. English. And, um, but we forget that sometimes. Well, it's mentioned in some of those videos, too, that we see online. Mm. Just speak. Speaking is the most important part. Don't worry about your mistakes. Don't mm. worry about this. Just speak. Yes, totally. Because um, when I first um, started learning English in the UK, well, actually, I what I did was I just mocked everything else said. Mm -hmm. every, every, everything everyone else says. So... Yeah, actually, the, to be honest, the first word that I remember was marbles because there, there was a friend of mine who always carried a small, tiny mar marble and he showed me and this is mar marble, so I just repeated the word marble and I remembered it. Yeah. So, and I didn't, I didn't know how to spell it, but um, I just keep doing it and the a word became a sentence and the sentence became a, like a communication. That's how I learned English. I think it's quite clear that the, the Japanese system does not use ALT teachers um, effectively. Mm. Yes. They don't know how to use ALT mm -hmm. teachers effectively, which is one, one of the one of the big problems. Um, and there's not, and they don't give them enough lessons. Mm. Um, the kids don't get enough exposure. And even the new system that's coming in now for the, the uh, elementary schools, I think they're just they're playing at it. You know, it's. Yeah. it's once a week is really not enough. If you're expecting any kind of fluency, it's yeah. not. It has to be an everyday thing, like we do with other subjects. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, and well, if if we can't take a whole lesson of English every day, then we can just have like ten minutes of um, communication time every morning or every after school, or at least. Yeah. Mm. And. Um, you know, we got this uh, moving out of the actual schools into the maybe the Aikaiwa system. You have this hobby versus motivated learning. You know, we we know as as teachers, a lot of our students um, they come to our classes for something to do. You got that 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 a lot of students like that, and you got some students who are highly motivated to study. Our our doctors, our professional people, um, but this. This is this is another another problem, isn't it? I think it is. It's you know it's seen as has to be this or this. If it's the education system, it happens in a school in this one room, um, but then not outside of that environment. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that can stop your mental train of thought and that flexibility. You need to be able to use it. Mm. Um, but then we have that group of people who say, well, I'm studying English to ward off dementia. Yeah. And you think, well, that's great, too, and that does work. However, how are you using that outside of the classroom? <laughs> there, yeah. there is English everywhere in Japan, if you look for it outside of the classroom. But I think people are trained that it only happens in the school. Mm. When it's encountered outside of that environment, it's... Um, maybe not even noticed. Yeah, well, actually, many, many of my friends uh, will think so too because they, we are like taught to, um, we are taught to how to solve the questions mm -hmm. in English subjects, but we are told not to like, uh, we didn't have much um, information about how to use it in actual life. Mm 
Okay. Yeah, so, um, so you don't learn how to, for example, have a, de um, a constructive debate with people on an intellectual level, like make a statement, then support it. Um, no, we don't. Okay. That is very, that's integral to English. I mean, you must yes. say something, then support it. Yes. But the, the, the very nature of Japanese um, teaching style is dictatorial, isn't <coughs> yes. it? So I talk and you listen and don't mm -hmm. ask me any questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is getting better. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it is getting yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that used to be the monitorial system that we had in Europe and North America as well, but that had to change. Mm -hmm. It wasn't working. It was uh, there was no creativity. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, Matthew, you could tell me why why sometimes have I stood in front of um, um, <coughs> kids in in a junior high school or high school and mm -hmm. I've asked them a question, and I know that they have opinions, they have ideas. And they will not open their mouth. They will put their heads down. They will not say anything. Yeah. Um, I don't really. Um, actually, I, to be honest, I don't really understand because I grew up in in UK where everyone spoke up. But um, but in my opinion is that um, at the at the early age um, they have a, there's a Japanese saying called um, say saying that. If you stood up, you will be shut down. So, and it's kind of a Japanese nature to work in um, harmony and corres correspond with each other. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think that that's the reason why they don't want to s stand out in the crowd. So, for example, if they have an idea that they think might be slightly controversial, they really don't want to say it because that might uh, create discord, which is really against a cultural value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that, that could be very cultural, or it could be, you know, not wanting to make a mistake, which is also part cultural. Yes. Yeah, that's important to recognize, and how do we deal with that issue? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yes, being gray, yeah, being gray is good in Japan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Masayuki, I mean, every time I talk to you, yes. you seem to be saying to me, well, I've got tests coming up, mm -hmm. or I'm doing tests, or I've just finished my tests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you ever not doing tests? Uh, um, actually, well, there is a, there is a no test um, period, but even in those no test period, we have like small tests. Yeah, you have mini tests. Yeah, don't mini you? Tests. So what, yes, what do yes. you think about the, the, the amount of testing in, in the system over here? Well, um... I don't really oppose it um, because it it kind of gives um, some people the motivation to get good scores. But those who don't get good scores, even though they work hard, they it can be like the obstacle. Um, it, it can be the reverse, giving them the reverse effect of like depriving them of the motivation. Right. Mm. I think it's also an inherited thing that's from ancient China, for example, with the. Um, state testing system. Yeah, There's yeah. always te another test to take, and if you don't pass this one to a certain degree, it could mean, you know, your whole future. Yeah. Uh, of course, we. I mean, in different systems that existed in Western countries too, we mm. still do have many standardized tests, but not to the same um, nth degree as you find here. Mm -hmm. It's more on creative thinking. Yeah. Yeah. There's obviously a place for testing, but mm -hmm. it, I. I I can't help thinking that it's way over overdone. Yes, you know, I think it's more important Japan. to say with like 
English or an organic thing like that. Say, mm-hmm. what can you do? Yeah. Show us what you can do, not necessarily on paper. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about this, haven't we, in our, yeah. in our Edge video lessons where we talk about that uh, learning and education is not linear, it's organic. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, yeah. And, but the, our system is basically a linear system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's based around the testing system. Like if conversation isn't on a test, then it, why is it in, it wouldn't nec- necessarily be in the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in, that's the same in many countries, honestly, but it depends on what degree. Okay. I think here there is all my students say they're just always taking a test there's never a moment when they're not studying for a test yeah and if you're going to think well it has to be the answer has to be a b c or d mm-hmm. and it's too inflexible to say well it could be a or b mm-hmm. that's not a good thing no. <laughs> now we put and we put so much value on on the scores that kids get in yeah. tests you know and and in the second half of this uh, chat i want to talk more about mm-hmm. that because is it really important whether mm-hmm. you're getting do, if you get 90 percent um does that make you a m- more intelligent person than someone who only gets 40 percent it and we won't talk about it now, but maybe that, how do we define intelligence? Mm-hmm. So let's go into that yes. in part two. But let me, let me um, bring up another point that we've got three major sporting events coming up in Japan in the next few years. We've got the oh, Rugby yeah. World Cup yeah, next yeah. year. We've got two Olympic Games coming mm-hmm. up. How is that going to affect, is it going to affect, what influence will it have on English in Japan? Mm. Have you have your teachers said anything about this with regard to English and how it might be used? Um, well, they mentioned it sometimes, but um, they don't really emphasize it um, um, because right now we are like starting to uh, start. We're starting to to prepare for the college entrance exam right okay. now. So, yeah, all the teachers are trying to get the students to focus on it. Yeah, focus on the test or a year ahead. So yeah, they they're like trying to um, cut out every single distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Us. Well, I have seen that some of the students have told me that the Japanese government is looking for volunteers, but at the same time they've raised the TOEIC score minimum TOEIC score needed to be able to, for example, be a translator or a guide. Mm. Right. which has discouraged some people because mm. they thought, oh, my ability is pretty good and I really want to do this, I want to communicate. Mm-hmm. But then it's being shut down. Well, I've heard there's a panic. They're panicking in Tokyo because, especially in the service industry, mm-hmm. medical in particular, yeah. because they just do not have enough people mm-hmm. with skills good enough mm-hmm. to cope with all the, the amount of foreigners that are going to be coming in. And in the middle of August... Um, drinking too much beer, mm-hmm. and even if you don't drink too much beer, you often fall over because it's it's so bloody hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then being rushed off to hospital, no one can communicate with you. It's like uh, yeah, it's yes. If you could try to call the emergency uh, number here in Japan, there's no one who can speak another language. So they'll just keep saying "sumimasen, sumimasen" <laughs> until someone eventually hangs up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Let's hope that there's some trickle down from the, those events, mm. and it motivates people to, uh, to to you know to speak better. Um, okay, right. Oh, how would you change the system? I mean, just a quick few thoughts on what would you like to to see um, in in our current system in Japan for teaching English speaking. 
You mean like on the system? Well, yeah, the system, the lessons, the teaching style, anything you anything you want. Yeah, uh, well, um, well, there is an idea. Like, um, for example, um, yeah, uh, hmm. so there is a grade, and right now we like kind of move on. We're like forced to move on from grade one to grade two and grade three, um, regardless of the score, unless you're like really bad. But um, that doesn't like um, even if you move to grade, uh, if you move a grade. Um, that doesn't mean you fully acquire the knowledge you learn from that grade. So, um, what if um, there's a system where students can learn at their own pace um, and getting the um, they can take time acquiring all the knowledge they have to take in that certain grade and then move on to the next grade. Now, how do you think that could be implemented? Because right now. In Japan, it's all based around testing, not necessarily like creative moving at your own pace kind of thing. So it would be more than one system that would need to change. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, many jobs could be lost or many jobs would have to change. Yeah. Um, well, but um, right, right now, they are tests. Mm -hmm. It is true, but um, the... The biggest test we are facing right now is the college entrance exam. So as long as you have the ability, uh, you acquire the ability while you're, while during the high school years, mm -hmm. then um, no, matter, no, no matter how long it gets to graduate high school, it's good. It's okay because mm -hmm. um, we um, because we get the we, we get the ability to. Um, to, to be good enough to get into college. Okay, but that test is only offered once a year, once so a year. if your ability is not as good as you wanted, you have to wait an entire year to retake it and yes. hopefully get in where you want to be, and by then you could lose your motivation. Yeah. You could forget a lot. Mm. But, um, so, yeah. That, that not you personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that is true, but, um, so, me, but it's um, but losing the motivation is um, it is well yeah it is kind of personal but it, um, but it, but the environment also um, has a great effect on those mm -hmm. kind of motivation so maybe it's important to like maybe maybe it's important for the teachers to like um, make the environment to um, motivate the students okay so if they use more creativity in their lessons and they have the permission to do that yes instead of the rote learning system, hmm. then it, it could engage the students more. Yes. Okay, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and that was going to be my point. I mean, I'd like to see more more debate, more conversation mm -hmm. within the lessons, um, particularly more group work, mm -hmm. um, and then sort of moving into problem solving and critical thinking exercises, mm -hmm. all in English, where you get people actually... Um, thinking, you know, mm -hmm. um, thinking and discussing and debating mm -hmm. and disagreeing with each other mm -hmm. and using English in a, in a functional way mm -hmm. that motivates them. That's right. Yeah. Rhetoric, logic, those are all classic courses that many of us have had to take mm -hmm. in Western countries in order to be able to function and to communicate mm -hmm. in a very uh, creative uh, way using our critical thinking skills. And that's something that's missing here quite a bit mm. that could be included in the education system. Mm. Did you have any, Matthew, any more 
ideas or was that that was it well i think we'll get into quite a bit more too okay all right right before we move on yes. i would like to thank uh have a shout out to our sponsors the edge uh, performance analysis solutions who sponsor this podcast and without whom we wouldn't be able to do this mm-hmm. and actually today's today's podcast is brought to you by the the one of one of the products in the in the suite of edge performance analysis performance analysis solution products called xword and as it happens as it happens the creator of xwords Xword is sitting here with us, Masayuki. You actually created this, didn't you? Tell mm-hmm. us, tell us about it. Yes. So um, Xwords is a customizable testing program for teachers. So it's uh, basically a quiz program, English quiz program. Yes. And the good thing about this program is that it's like super simple to use because it is made uh, using Microsoft Excel. And um, also, teachers can customize the questions and uh, modify. It as they want and create an original version of X words. And also the good thing about the another good thing about this pro- program is that um, every time the program checks the answer of a student, it records and um, creates a scorecard, which you can um, print out just by clicking a button. So um, it is a really good program. I'm re- really proud of it. And hopefully this program will help help your students improve and learn the English. And this per- product will be on sale in January 2019 at uh, Active English platform. Yeah, on the Active English, go to the Active English store and you will be able to find it from January, priced very reasonably. And actually, big a big, big news now is it we just finished, uh, what do you call it, Black Friday? Yes. Or we call this late Black Friday. If you're, if you're a listener of this podcast, um, and you, you go to buy X, the X-Word product and you go to checkout and there's a discount box there, write in 50% in numbers, 50%, 50% in numbers, and you will get 50% off the price. Can't say better than that, can you? Right. <laughs> For these po- active podcast listeners. And can you believe uh, this, this guy actually wrote, he's a programmer, he wrote it at 16, 17 years of age. That's incredible. That's, I mean, fan- like, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I well, being a programmer is a kind of a dream when I was younger. Yeah, from when I was younger, and I actually started programming um, when I was um, fifteen years old, mm-hmm. and um, I just loved it, and I kept doing on every day, and I became good enough to. Um, make a program that can be useful to others and I'm really proud of that You should be no, Yes, you. you should be <laughs> very you. proud of that Stay friendly with him because yes. he, he's going to be the next Japanese Elon Musk Yes, guy. you can do so many things <laughs> for help to help me <laughs> yeah, Thank you, Thank you. Yeah, no, no. So yeah, generate, check it out Oh, it's a, it's a downloadable uh, yes, It's a downloadable, yes um, or if you have a Microsoft Excel on your laptop, and yeah, it should work. Right, great. Right, thanks to the Edge and thanks to Masayuki for creating that XWord product. Okay, let's segue into the second part of this discussion, which uh, is the is the education system broken on a, on a worldwide level? But just to let's put give it some perspective. Um, Matthew, you've been doing some research on the history of the the, the education system. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. 
Well, um, I mentioned a little bit with the Prussian and monitorial systems. A lot of the universities used to, and schools used to use a monitorial system. You throw everyone in a big room, mm-hmm. and you just have someone lecturing. Mm-hmm. So that does sound very similar to Japan, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> but in the Prussian system, that was developed um, initially by Frederick the Great in the um, 1700s. But... Um, that has gone through a few changes, and then that was borrowed in the mid 1800s uh, by Horace Mann in, into the American education system, and you know changed to suit our needs or uh, what courses needed to be taught and how. But it did have initially a lot of creativity built into it that it was really meant to um, for people to shine. Mm-hmm. Initially, it was. Um, not so flexible because it was in the Prussian militaristic kind of state mm-hmm. where there was limited freedom of speech, but um, there was an enlightenment going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is some flexibility in it in that you, by, if your district um, says, yes, you have free reign to teach this in the way you want, but we do still have to meet national requirements mm-hmm. or state requirements. You can do that. And so many educators uh, like Sir Ken Robinson or if you watch any of the Khan education videos or maybe TED Talks, they do talk about, is it broken? Well, it seems like what many of them are saying is we want more creativity. We want all the subjects, not only the STEM subjects, but also the humanities Mm -hmm. to have the same weight. Mm. And of course... If you look at them, if we just take a second to look at the American education system, it's not the same across the board. Each state has different requirements. We do have standardized testing. But then we also have things like uh, private schools, parochial schools. We do have um, institutions like magnet schools that maybe concentrate on one particular area. Students do have to learn other things, but they don't have the same weight. Those can be in the sciences. Those could be in the humanities. It mm-hmm. depends on what you want to study. But those are located mostly in the cities. Yeah. In the countryside, um, it's generally more the standard, but um, there is a, some flexibility built into that where a highly intelligent student like Masayuki could skip grades and end up in university at the age of 15. It depends on if you can do it, you have the ability. So it's not only the intellect, but the ability. Mm. Yeah. Well, I I read some stats that, uh, I mean, you're American. Yes. It's not your fault, but you're American. Um, (laughs) During the Bush years, I was (laughs) (laughs) French-Canadian. Now I'm back there again in the Trump years. Uh (laughs) And so I I read this, this up to... In some places in America, up to 60%, there's a 60% dropout rate. Um, and even with the, is it the, the native Indian races, 80% dropout rate. Yeah, and I, I mean, and in schools in general, you have kids with a large percentage of kids lacking motivation and just general apathy within the class. What, what are some of the reasons for it? Am I correct on those stats first? Well, it depends on where you are. Where you those are, numbers yeah. are quite inflated I think I do have a friend who teaches on a Native American reservation Mm -hmm. and uh, it could be a cultural thing I asked her about this it uh, it could be 
also that they don't see as many opportunities for themselves in the future with an education, uh, even if they have it, because maybe they want to stay in the reservation, mm -hmm. in which case they might have several different jobs that they do and they wouldn't be using what they had learned. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, yes. there's, but, there's, there's just a lot of apathy in the classroom, a lack, a lack of motivation from many students. Yes. Well, in my school, um, it depends. We were divided into three homogenous groups. So you had the college-bound courses, you had the business courses, and you had the vocational technical people. So some of those people were really motivated maybe by an academic point of view, like in the Prussian system with the gymnasium, you're just going into research, going into the academics. Mm -hmm. But then the other people might not as much. They need more practical skills, less theory-based. Mm -hmm. So for like 60%, that might be, for example, in the inner cities where there's a lack of funding in the school. Right. There could be a lack of safety. Um, and... Uh, the teacher salaries would be quite low and also the local um, lack of value for that demographic in the education system that it ha won't improve their life. Right. So you, you have you had that um, uh, system in America, um, no kid left behind. <laughs> right, but by the very de definition of that, I don't know if anyone else understands the irony. You do leave kids left behind because yeah, yeah. you're concentrating on one thing and not another. It's mm. not comprehensive. But, but should we be having the same um, the same education system in those tough inner inner um, inner city schools mm -hmm. that you have in the more um, what do you call them Ivy League? Schools or oh, those are the universities. The, universities, the, yeah. the higher end schools mm -hmm. with the more academic. Should we be having the same programs in both schools? Does that make sense? Well, the interesting thing is with the original Prussian system as it was borrowed, it was supposed to put everyone on the equal footing. But with mm -hmm. private schools, you're immediately throwing money into a system that creates inequality. Okay. Um, so if we did have maybe free universities instead of tuition-based. That might help more with that. But also you have to go into these inner cities or maybe into the reservations or places where pe people just um, are not seeing the value of education helping with their social mobility or their lives to be able to change that. So uh, one of my friends did teach in the inner city in Harlem and that was quite a different experience for her. Okay. That was a very unsafe situation on many levels, but oh. then there's a lack of value in the education system that's a generational problem that needs to be combated. Mm. Well, when I was Masayuki's age, um, we went from, in the UK, we yep. went from a, what do we call it, a secondary modern system to a comprehensive system. So okay. that meant, um, when it was secondary modern, you would, you would do the 11 plus and then you'd either, if you pass the 11 plus test, you would go to the higher school mm -hmm. or, or you would go to the lower school. So it was like segregated. And then they said, no, that's not good. It's gotta be comprehensive. So we called them, we didn't call them high schools. We called them comprehensive schools. Mm -hmm. And everyone went into one school and everyone had mixed, we had mixed ability classes. And we did away with all the streaming and okay. the segregation mm -hmm. and the fast tracking 
I mean, again, how do you how do you see that as a student? Um, so should we like separate students or not? Yeah, should we separate students or not? Should is elitism a dirty word? Like, should is the homogeneity like that I just described yeah. the, the school I experienced is that should that continue? Oh uh, well, I personally um, what elitism doesn't sound good, but I, personally I don't think that's a bad idea itself because. Mm -hmm. um, because people who do know what they want to do, mm -hmm. they want to focus on um, that. Mm -hmm. Because um, and if they're told uh, told taught to do some do something else, they they don't motivate to do so. So they mm -hmm. they lose. Um, so it's like a waste of time. Okay. But um, so I think it's it is not that bad to um, to give students an opportunity to concentrate on what they want to do. Um, but it is also true that uh, some students don't know what they want to do. So um, maybe there should be a course that um, course for people who don't know what they don't want to do and find, find uh, what they want to do and people who do know what they want to do. So um, yeah, um, I don't think the, the concept of elitism is not that bad. Okay. So, yeah, I was just going to say, I think this homogeneity thing is not bad. Elitism is different. It's like saying, no, you can't come here because of your social status. Uh, yeah. And I think the education system was really not built for that in some ways, but we do see it with tuition-based education mm -hmm. in many senses. Well, let, let's change elitism for fast-tracking then. Mm -hmm. I mean, fast -tracking, yeah. It's fast-tracking, I, I, to me, you know, that that's just, that's part of... Uh, Part of life, mm -hmm. some some people are are just naturally gifted. Mm -hmm. Why should they be held back? Why should they not be fast tracked? Mm -hmm. Well, Masayuki and I were t chatting a bit about that because I'd been asking people for months in Japan, for example, can someone move ahead if they're intelligent? If they are brilliant, can they go to school like Doogie Howser did? You know, and become a doctor at the age of fifteen or whatever, mm. and but that's not a possibility here. Whereas no. it is in the U.S., for example, and in England, is that a possibility? Um, not not usually. It's not common. Okay, I, can't, I couldn't name you one example. I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I don't. Not common. And I was in the education system for twenty years over there, so I almost never saw kids jumping years. Okay. Yeah. So, but mm -hmm. um. But you know, you think about the ten thousand hours rule. Right, the ten thousand hours rule says that um, to become an expert at something, mm -hmm. to become a, pro a professional level, expert level, you need ten thousand hours. Whether that's true or not is mm -hmm. debatable. But it's, it's got to be. It's pretty much on that on that mark. Yeah. So if you work it out, that takes that's ten years of three hours study a day mm -hmm. to become professional or expert level a bit like your your sister Oka is doing I mean yeah. she I mean she's how how many hours she's playing the violin by the way for yeah, that, yeah. She, well she plays like at least two hours a day and sometimes she's playing it the entire day yeah yeah mm -hmm. exactly all right yeah. and because she wants to become a professional violinist yeah yeah mm -hmm. so she has to do that mm -hmm. so you you bear in mind now that a lot of people are winning Olympic medals um, anything from 15 years upwards, mm -hmm. right? They can win snowboarding, gymnastics, yeah. or that, those kind of Olympic medals, skating, 
from from a very very young age mm. so if you work it back if you want to win an olympic gold medal or or, or or on the academic side it could be the same as well you know writing programming yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. It, if you take it back 10 years if you want to be the very best at 18 mm -hmm. then you have to go back 10 years mm -hmm. So you need to be starting at eight or younger, yeah. doing two to three hours a day for 10 years to get you to Olympic gold medal level mm -hmm. at 17, 18. Yeah. Wow, right? So does our system allow for that? I don't think it does. I think in the American system, which is partially based on the Prussian system of education, that there needs to be more creativity at an earlier year and an earlier start, at like kindergarten level. Mm -hmm and factor all of that in but not separate people but you allow them to fast track allow them to get good at what they do yeah. yes uh, start languages earlier for example yeah yes yes and because at the moment you you you've got a lot of unmotivated kids you got a, a lot of kids sitting all day doing low clerical work which leads mm -hmm. to low motivation because that's basically what it is. Of course, they're not motivated because that's that's it's not they're not stimulated by what they're doing, mm -hmm. right? So, so you, why why not say well why why do we ha why do these kids have to follow the the courses for so long? You know, actually until the end of high school yeah. they have to. Masayuki, how many subjects are you studying currently? 12 or 13? Um, about? Yeah, about roughly, yes. Uh, 12 or 13 subjects he will, until he finishes high school. Well, of those, to, I mean, from a motivation point of view, like in the U.S., we're allowed to choose our courses hmm. to, like, stay motivated. Then, like, you can focus. Like, if you want to focus on art like my brother did, mm -hmm. then that's what you go so into. From what age? Uh, we were doing that as a... I guess it would be like the junior high school level. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because the first, in, like for example in university, our bachelor's degrees take four years, but your first year, you're basically taking a variety of courses to find out what you really like, what you're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then the rest are electives. So, how many electives do you take as opposed to mandatory courses that you're really not interested in? Uh, well... Ah, hmm. Actually, there is an option in my school. There's an option between physics or uh, biology mm -hmm. and the, the choice of history or um, geography. Okay. And, um, but I think that's it, actually. That's uh, very limited, just four tracks. Yeah, really. four tracks. Uh, yeah. Mm. You know, we, we've got... You, basically, kids, all of us, we're either right-sided brain or left-sided mm -hmm. brain. We have a bias towards mm -hmm. one or the other, yeah? Mm -hmm. So, STEM subjects or the arts and the humanities. So, in order to keep kids motivated, why, why don't we allow them, let me throw this at you, why don't we allow them to choose at a much earlier age? Mm -hmm. For example, I would, I would say um, um, from the from grade one in high school or even grade two in high school okay. why not cut it down say okay no more 13 subjects mm -hmm. choose the five or six subjects that you're passionate about that you're motivated about mm -hmm. that make you want to go to school mm -hmm. yeah yeah and do those and focus on those mm -hmm. for the next three years mm -hmm. what do you think about that well um that I, sounds good right yeah it totally sounds good um sounds brilliant and um 
I can I can t- say that uh, many of my friends at school they they want to do so. Mm. They want they want to focus on like five subjects. Um, we'll say it's mathematics, physics, or uh, more humanity size, but whatever. But um, but the current university entrance system is what what they um, what they have to cope with because uh, in order in order to get into the university they want to, they have to like learn um, learn more. Um, but five or more subjects. Well, the test itself is like can be five subjects, but um, it's like um, those five subjects are like the um, compound of um, thirteen or ten or thirteen subjects. Okay, so those are your just basic core that you must everyone must know. Yes. Okay. I I, I think you know kids have got to have a foundation in in the STEM type subjects, mm-hmm. particularly mathematics. Of course, of course, that that goes without saying. But but at what level can we we can we say enough is enough on that? I mean, I'm thinking um, that by the time they get to junior high school, grade three, <laughs> they can probably know enough mathematics to take them through the rest of their life because. I remember, I think, in school, I studied trigonometry, geometry, yeah. calculus. Mm-hmm. I cannot remember one single bit of it, and I've never used it in my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why fill kids' heads with information that is totally useless and irre- not useless, totally irrelevant for mm-hmm. what they are going to do in the rest of their life? Mm-hmm. Why fill their brains with it? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe if they switch subjects, it might come in useful like I did, okay. and I found out wow, I never thought I'd use this much geometry in my life in art history. Mm-hmm. But it's there, it exists. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, um, the opinions that people uh, say about keeping, uh, allowing students to study a lot of subjects is that uh, they say that we, we never know when those um, knowledge come in handy. And I, well, that is true, but um, we don't have we don't need an extensive amount of um, knowledge to those particular subjects so mm-hmm. maybe it's it's okay to have like the basic really um, really essential part of those um, wide range of subjects mm-hmm. but not the not the deep um, knowledge of those mm-hmm. right because I can agree with Ian for example I've never used calculus mm. and in high school I had to take it but I can honestly say I never wanted to yeah. but in the track that I was in it was a requirement oh. but in order to go to university I had to test out of it I had yeah. to show that I was at a certain level mm-hmm. that I could get past it but, but to Masayuki's point about yeah. needing some of these subjects to get to university some of these kids are not going to go to mm-hmm. university Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And why do they have to go to university? Because now mm-hmm. the the times are changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would probably encourage my kids to go to university, but, um, not only for academic reasons, but because it's a social education as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. But we're in a we're in a time now where you don't actually need to go to university to be mm-hmm. to be successful in life. Mm-hmm. Well, in well, you look at many people who have founded companies and have not finished university look at bill gates for yeah. example yes yes they they were not inspired or they just went in a, a totally different direction now that's the key point yeah. it's not that they weren't smart they weren't inspired mm-hmm. by what they were doing and mm-hmm. what was being delivered to them because mm-hmm. they were they were ahead of it their brains were racing ahead mm-hmm. so they went off on their own and did their own thing mm-hmm. yeah. and it's like kind of like what you said here like uh, before before we started, I was asking you about the Japanese education system. What about these kids who, you know, don't want to do this or that? And you said, well, they'll go to a different school. Mm-hmm. 
instead of maybe staying in the same place or maybe saying, can you offer this to me? Yeah. Mm. Well, also, um, it's, it's kind of a background, the real life of the high school students. But, mm-hmm. um, some students, the, all the smart ones, um, who knows what the teacher is talking about, mm-hmm. it will, so um, they kind of look for, um, they kind of study on their own. Mm-hmm. So when they, when the teacher is uh, talking about a certain subject, and this guy knows, uh, this guy knows, oh, I know this already. So they, they just move on to the next page and the next on on his base on her base. Mm-hmm. But for someone who's interested in robotics and engineering like you, yeah, what is there? Um, well, maybe he will he or she will buy a robotics book okay. and read it during class. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know we really need to find ways of of what of motivating kids so that they actually want to get out of bed and go to school and enjoy school. Mm-hmm. And I think it's built on so many different levels. It's not just within the school system, but it's within the society, within the structures that have been created. They also need to change. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you, you lived know. in Scandinavia. Yes. Um, and they have various, what, what might be called, um, uh, termed, alternative programs mm-hmm. um, they have the forest schools which we based our sort of based our active English program on um, as part of the forest school uh, learning by experience experiential learning but the the Scandinavian systems particularly for English as well mm-hmm. um, are very successful yeah so yes. why do those alternative so-called I'm doing with my fingers the so-called alternative systems, why, why couldn't they not become main systems? Right, and I think, that, well, that's an important point, is that they are not the main system. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, where I was, at least, I was in a university town, and we had many fantastic schools, but they were bis- based on uh, mainly like the German-Prussian system with the gymnasium. Mm-hmm. And that's what they also sometimes called it, a gymnasium, which is that would be referring to the college-bound students. Um, But they had, I thought, what looked like a little too much freedom. Sometimes people, if they got bored, would just get up and leave. (laughs) Um, But uh, I'm not sure, in the sense, how much creativity they were allowed. In my university, for example, though, a lot of creativity was allowed. Um, So you could uh, form courses that you... Uh, could work into your schedule that you were very interested in, use those in your major. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think at a lower level, though, um, they would do not, not I, want, I don't want to say Montessori type of education because it wasn't that, but it was uh, more like, well, the teachers would ask the students, what are you interested in? Mm-hmm. What do you like to do? Yeah. They wouldn't Good say, question. they wouldn't say, question. like, draw a picture of this apple and expect all the students to have the same rendition of that apple. Mm. They expected to see something different and then that was encouraged. Mm. Whereas I feel here, if it doesn't look just like the apple, yeah. it would be considered wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, there is a story about my father. Mm-hmm. Well, he, well, he was kind of, he used to be a uh, a person like me, well, it's, it's a father or something. But um, so when he was in the kindergarten, the, his teacher told him to draw a picture of a sun. 
So he drew a sun and painted it yellow. Mm-hmm. But um, all the other kids painted it red. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was kind of, he, he felt like he was um, like an outsider. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and, he, and the teacher tell him, well, is this a sun because sun is red? But he, what he thought was, look up the sky, it's not red. It's, right. it's more like yellowish, bright white mm-hmm. light. So yeah, that's what he thought. Well, often, that's, that's a good point, isn't it? Because often we say, by testing kids um, or having preconceived ideas, we, we are saying there's a right and a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why does there have to be a right or a wrong answer? Well, and that's, well, in, I mean, Ken Robinson brought that up in one of his videos. You know, if you just say, no, you are wrong, that can kill someone's creativity. Yes. I, in mathematics, sometimes and mm-hmm. there are variables yeah yeah yeah, is it? yes there are variables like if you look at non-euclidean geometry mm. and I was, I was just studying this a few days ago for something different to do okay. and that is very theoretically based mm. uh, there's there's so many different variables that you can account for and it just will warp your mind if you try to think of them <laughs> but it, i think they need to foster all these schools need to foster that creativity like i could see that in sweden in the U.S., in Japan, there needs to, to be that at a lower level. Mm. Yeah. yeah, And we have to remember that we need all kinds of people. We should be looking to produce, to graduate all kinds of people in society. Mm. Going back to my when I was a kid, you know, when I was Masayuki's age in school, we had, we had a woodwork room, a mm. dedicated woodwork room, which was full of lathes mm. and, and drills and everything. We had a, a dedicated metalwork room. Of course, we had dedicated art rooms. Mm-hmm. And the amount of equipment in there, that they, then they all went. They, they created subjects called DCT, Design Craft Technology, where you had one lathe in the room and one drilling machine in the room. Mm-hmm. And by, this is when, when I became a teacher. Okay. So all those, those, um, those, those specialized rooms are gone and everything had been combined and condensed yeah. and watered down, basically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some kids would love to focus on woodwork and metalwork and art mm-hmm. and become a, an electrician, a carpenter or a metal worker. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not allow them to focus on those areas mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and stop ramming the stems down there, the stem subjects down their, um, down their throats after they've got a basic level. Mm-hmm. And, be, and because we need people like that in society, don't we? Yes. Well, in the UK, were they grouped homogeneously? Um, yeah, well, when I was a kid, we were, we were streamed, mm-hmm. right, so, okay. um, but then, as I said, they did away with the streaming, yeah. so, uh, uh, but now, yeah, I mean, Japan, you, you have, what, the technical schools, uh, technical yeah, colleges, technical high schools, too, mm-hmm. and, uh, like, business high schools, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, those are pretty common. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., we have that, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... So um, those students do not have have those courses. They can take something they have a practical use for in their lives. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, I know a person who who graduated at the technical school, mm-hmm. and when they say that they not only do the STEM subjects, but also uh, they learn how to write the electrical circuit um, circuit figures, okay. and they they learn how to make um, electrical parts mm-hmm. and all that stuff. 
I think that's fantastic because yeah. for someone like me, I don't have ability with that, mm -hmm. or I've never had interest in that. Therefore, I want if I call someone, I really want them to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when the electrician comes, I want him to know very well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. The, uh, these these guys are making a lot of money. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, there's yeah. demand for carpenters and electricians and the, those kind of people, yes. construction workers. You know, yes, yeah. they do. Um, so, um, yeah. Absolutely, and you know, I think so. We've got to have a more diverse, mm -hmm. a more diverse system. Mm -hmm. um, and there's probably been a, never been a better time to be successful if you're an arty, uh, art, on the arts side of things. You mm -hmm. know, because now um, niche niche businesses are becoming yeah. they're becoming the thing. Yes, yes. So you could never create a business or become successful in a in a niche. Or, or as it is now a micro niche mm -hmm. like many 50 years ago mm -hmm. 30 years ago but now you can micro niche it mm -hmm. and, and become very successful yeah you can dominate that space be the very best at mm -hmm. doing what you do in that micro niche space yeah. mm -hmm. um, which changes the whole way you look at how we educate kids mm -hmm. we often see that now with Millennials mm -hmm. creating these micro niches sometimes it's what they're interested in other times it's because of, because of economic necessity. Yes. And if you're in a country like Greece or um, Spain with severe unemployment, you really have to get creative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. All right. Um, let's give a let's give a I want to give a couple of shout outs before we move on to the part three. Um, uh, shout outs we do we do in every episode where people who who follow us people mm -hmm. who support us uh, we give a shout out and this time I, I want to give a shout out to the the, the kids PE girls um, um, Kumi Sayumi and Yuki who are big supporters uh, and collaborators of active English and the active podcast so mm -hmm. um, up the activians good on your girls <laughs> Thanks for supporting us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, moving moving on to part three, the last part here. Mm -hmm. uh, Masayuki, let me start kick, kick you off on this one. Uh, okay. If uh, if if you were an architect and you were given a free reign to redesign schools in the future, mm -hmm. what innovative features would you include? So you mean architecturally? Architecturally, inside or outside? Inside or outside. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. On the outside, well, there's a, an idea about, okay, so the school I want to build is like, it's like a tower. And there's a clause, um, right now, in my, in my school, there's, um, the, each grades are separate by the staircases. For example, we have the first graders on the first floor and the second graders on the second floor and so on. But that kind of um, separates the... Um, the first grade and second graders, uh, which there is no uh, like very few connection between the um, the upper grades and lower grades people. So um, what I suggest is that connect um, those hallways like like spiraling up the tower. Mm -hmm. So you have the entire um, school, the entire tower is connected by one single hallway, which is like spiraling up and down. So um so that yeah so the students can go out um, <coughs> the students can walk through uh, walk the hallway and as as they walk they can 
meet some um, meet people who are in the upper grades and the lower grades. So um, I think that can foster the communication between the older ones and the younger ones. Yeah, you get rid of this physical and mental stratification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because you know, it's just yeah. yeah. You go to my kids' school now, and where, where's grade one They're on the first floor? Where's grade two They're on the second floor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, if you focus, if I want to focus on the interior, um, actually, I want to change the the structure of uh, of the classroom because right now, um, just like the education system itself. The, school, the classroom is like linear. We have the blackboard in front and we have all the desks and chairs facing that blackboard. But, and if you focus on the chairs and those, um, and the equipments like chairs and desks, that's, there's only one way to use it. Like desk is what you write on and chairs what you sit on. But that's not how creativity is fostered. Um, because for example, uh, young kids, like little kids, kindergarten, kindergartners, they, they can do like 10 things with, with a single desk. They can mm -hmm. like stand on it, they can put some together and make like a big wall mm -hmm. or a house, whatever. Make a paper hat. Make, yeah, make, <laughs> make a really big desk. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> also, they, they are really, um, they're born artists, but teachers tell them not to do so. Do so. They're told, they tell them not to like uh, stand on it, or they tell them not to sleep on it or whatever, but that's not good. So what if we introduce like a big, uh, big cube like, instead of chairs? So mm -hmm. in that way we can like uh, sit on it. We can like use it as a desk. Mm -hmm. We can put some those uh, those cubes together and build a bigger um, desk or a bed or whatever. It almost sounds like a Montessori classroom or Google offices. Yes. Yeah, yes. Google <laughs> office. This is what triggered this conversation we had before. Yeah, when we yeah. talked about Google office spaces and how we can change up office spaces and we moved it into classrooms and Masayuki came up with all these ideas, you know. Well, I remember in high school, for example, my, my teachers really did try with creativity in many ways. Like <laughs> when you walk into an English class, you never knew what the configuration of the desks would be. Ooh. If we were le reading a play, <laughs> it might be in an oval Okay. And then the people who are reading the parts would gather in the center. And then as your part comes and goes, you go sit down. Mm. Or in math class, we're often uh, grouped in little groups, like mm. study groups as teams yeah. to help each other and succeed. Yeah. That was very useful. Yeah. I thought that was very useful for students of mixed abilities. That was fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I like his idea you know, mm. of having these cubes. So you can actually build different shapes, yeah. Like you just said, okay, we're gonna have a group discussion. So let's uh, let's build it into uh, if there's three of you, let's make a triangular table, yeah. You know, or, yeah. and so on, and yeah. just and they they could be covered with like um, you know the whiteboard surfaces. All oh, yeah, surfaces yeah, yeah, could yeah. be cut, and they could write on them. Yeah, it's a, it honestly sounds like a modernist art museum. Yes, where yeah. you interact yeah. not with only the art but everything in your surroundings is art. Yes. yes, you are there within this and you become part of it. Mm -hmm. You're in that's part of the learning sequence. Yeah. Through the geometry of the building, the architecture. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, in my school, there is um, some of the very um, talented kids who mm -hmm. are like, um, who, who really um, paint well. Mm -hmm. They sometimes use chalks um, and write a really good picture on chalkboards. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't last, last long because. Because teachers erased it to use it to use it for the 
the le- in the lesson, lesson. Yeah. in the lesson. Mm-hmm. So, um, I really wish if there was uh, a place where um, an entire hall or something to for the students to express themselves, express their talents, mm-hmm. like uh, be it paintings or dance or um, or like a band or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the whole the whole room could be a giant cagey band. Like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. You, know. you just kind of let loose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you could do graffiti yeah. art or pin. Pin your yeah. pin your paintings up there, yeah. and uh, yeah. why not? Just yeah. like yeah, I think that's a fantastic idea. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter what like level you're at mm-hmm. in your education or your ability. Yeah, you should be able to do something. Mm. Yes. That, yeah, and also we 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 know through active English that doing doing regular exercise, and particularly doing exercise when you learn. Um, uh, enhances cognitive function. Mm-hmm. You, you you had an idea about the design yeah, of the uh, corridors. Well, it? yes. Well, ah. Yeah. Um, well, in in most schools in Japan, we are told not to run in the hallways because that's well, that's like the basic rule. Of yeah. Or with scissors. Yeah. Or with scissors. <laughs> but uh, what if you just make the hallway big enough for the student? To uh, to be able to run, okay. or like um, add like a monkey bar on the, on the roof, on the, <laughs> on, on, on the ceiling. Um, that would be really fun. Mm. Um, that will so students have to like run through the hallway to get to the next class. Mm. So that's that's fun, right? And it's, and it's physical exercise, yes. which again is a big problem because there's a massive decline on mm. with kids partaking in physical physical exercise mm. at the moment because of all the, the screens. And I should know because. Mm. I've got a couple of kids who spend most of their time on screens. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, in the American system, in some schools, uh, um, they have implemented that for some highly intelligent kids mm-hmm. who might have behavioral issues okay. related to a lack of stimulation. Mm. So, in the break times between classes, they will do an athletic activity mm. with uh, the with the physical education teacher or with an enrichment teacher mm-hmm. to really keep them stimulated, but also to keep them calmed down for the next class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some some kids just have to move. Yes, they, they have do. to. They naturally they have to move because that's how they they learn better, yeah. and that's what we we do with active English. We're trying to get the English teachers in Japan to do more active English in the classroom, mm. which is teaching English for human movement, yeah. because it kills two birds with one stone. Mm. The kids are moving, they're, they're learning at the same time, mm. learning is enhanced, mm. and, and, they're, and they're developing their physical uh, mm-hmm. um, fitness yeah. levels. Yeah, yeah. So. Next to where I used to live in Sweden, there was actually a forest school, <laughs> and it was an after-school program, but still, um, it was at a community center that uh, kids really got to experience um, just being creative, running through the forest, working with uh, woodworking tools mm-hmm. or communicating with people they didn't know. Sometimes these would be children who are immigrants or refugees. Maybe they couldn't speak Swedish so well. Mm-hmm. In that case, sometimes they'd switch into English. Mm-hmm. It, it, these kids are really getting practice using all their cognitive functions, all their synapses were firing mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. Great. Okay, let me, let me wrap up. Um, I want you guys to give me uh, one word or phrase mm-hmm that you'd like to throw out there, um, that you'd like to see echoed in a modernized education system. So let me let me start. Mm-hmm. I would say, I'll throw out the word adaption. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see students um, 
developing and thinking more outside the box and being able to adapt more to the situation around them naturally. Mm -hmm. How about you guys? Well, um, I would say um, be the first penguin because, um, yeah, be the first penguin. That's kind of my catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. yeah um, well, it's, it, as the case in Japan, um, whenever the teacher asks for opinion in the class, nobody speaks up. Mm -hmm. So, well, most of the time, someone else or I do. Mm -hmm. And um, it's good. And, and that's what they need, a first penguin. Um, if someone speaks up, the other students will, it will follow follow me or follow the first penguin. So that's, um, I, I would really want the teachers or the students, or some students to like be the fuse of their creativity. Mm -hmm. Great, okay, thank you, Matthew. I, I would say flexibility. Mm -hmm. Flexibility to use the resources that we know might work mm -hmm. for our different students, but also flexibility in the use of critical thinking. Critical thinking is just so important. Mm -hmm. That is really engaging. Yeah. Yes. Right. Great. Great stuff. All right, before I say goodbye to you guys, um, mm -hmm. if I can just uh, do some parting shots for the listeners. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast and the other podcasts that we do, um, the Activians out there, you listeners, please, please share it with your friends and Help us to grow the podcast uh, yeah. by, by by sharing this podcast with your friends. Um, also, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher. Just type in Active Podcast. Mm -hmm. And please help us to grow the podcast by giving us a rating and leaving us a review. Also, you can find us on our website, www.activeenglishnow.com. And you can go to the podcast and you'll find the show notes there also. You will also find all the links that we discussed today on the website and, and the show notes there. So everything is linked to anything, we've, products, anything we talk about, we put into the show notes on the website um, area. Go to the store on our website and you can find all the products who sponsor this podcast, Masayuki's X, X Word product. Yeah. And the special discount box is at the checkout for the podcast listeners. Type in 50% and you'll get it 50%. Um, discount. You can find all our social media links on the bottom of our website. So please join our private Facebook group, Active English Private Facebook group, and check out the video version of this episode on the YouTube channel. Uh, we got it on video. It's not great audio, but we just throw up a, a video version there for, for people who like to see um, to see what we look like. Yeah. Probably uh, <laughs> not not a great idea, but uh, on, on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but. Uh, it's a Sunday one. So, Masayuki, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, joining us today. Thank you, it's an honor. Yeah, it's, it's it's a pleasure for us to have him here. Yeah? Yes, you certainly helped answer a lot of questions that I had. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And yeah. gave us some ideas for the future. <laughs> don't forget his name because he's going to be the next Elon Musk. <laughs> Please don't forget us. Oh, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, what are you going to be the next? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Gosh, the future is unwritten. Yeah. So thank you, Matthew, thank for you. Um, for baffling me with some of your uh, <laughs> comments today. I still have so many questions about 
many things within the yeah, education I think system. This, this, I mean, we, we, we've doubled the time that we normally run these episodes for just on today. But I think we, this would actually warrant another podcast on its own. But mm. I would like to do one in the future, maybe on digital education, mm. because we didn't touch on that at all. Yeah, but uh, mm. maybe come back and join us sometime. Well, uh, that'd, be, that'd be right up your yeah. alley. Yeah. yeah. So um, thank you, everyone. And thank you, listeners. And we'll see you next time.